New Hampshire Journal Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham, Managing Editor at nhjournal.com. Thanks so much for listening, sharing this with your friends. Coming up, Governor Chris Sununu caught up with him just a couple hours after his anti-ESG executive order, basically telling the state, you know, that ESG investing stuff you're hearing about? Yeah, forget about it. Uh, And it is a cultural issue, cultural warrior Chris Sununu. That's one of the topics that uh, has been catching our attention lately at nhjournal.com. Also want to thank Dr. Bruce Houghton at Perfect Smiles for uh, sponsoring the podcast. More about him later. And if you want to reach us and talk about anything, stories, suggestions, whatever, news at insidesources.com. News at insidesources.com. And of course, we really appreciate those of you who have subscribed to our free newsletter for $4.99 a month. It's, It's free. It is free. You're going to get it anyway, but it it really does help. It's helped us do stuff. You're going to see some uh, changes coming up and please all, all you're doing is helping us keep the lights on. NH journal is not a big profit center for inside sources, but I have an absolute blast doing it. And I hope that shows Uh, governor Chris Sununu does not have an absolute blast talking about cultural issues, abortion, for example, just very, uncomfortable when, when the issue comes up. He's, he's got a position that uh, a lot of people can rally around, which is no abortions after the, you know, in the third trimester. That's where the overwhelming poll after poll after poll, you know, pretty much everybody but the abortion crazies are, uh, you know, think that that's reasonable. Uh, his uh, apparent desire to get rid of any punishment for people who participate in abortions in the last trimester. That's an interesting spot. But the point is when you bring it up, it's clear he's not comfortable. Now you mentioned the economy, you mentioned economic growth, you mentioned return on investment for taxes. And she's the guy is, he talks like, well, me, I mean, he just will not shut up. I just like zoom, you know, he, he, he's all over it. And, and you know, that's, there was a time when that was the place to be in the Republican party. Some people are asking, can you really, you know, run a, uh, campaign, the serious campaign for president of the United States in the post-Trump era and essentially kind of walk away from the cultural issues. Well, one cultural issue where Sununu is rock solid is the Second Amendment. And I asked him about it uh, in the podcast coming up, so stay tuned for that. But we had a piece about it uh, the other day and it got a lot of attention, a lot of uh, calls set up from around the country, people asking, you know, fact-checking, you know, wanting to know if this is the real deal. And the fact is that Chris Sununu has an aggressive record on the Second Amendment. Now, I apologize right now to you gun kooks about the stuff I get wrong, about what is constitutional carry and what is not constitutional carry. All I can say is when you figure out what you want, what it is, you tell me. Because I had to rework the story like three times because, well, in Florida, when they say constitutional carry, they mean... Uh, open carry. But when they say it in New Hampshire, they mean concealed carry or vice versa. I forget now because I did so many versions. The point is, uh, New Hampshire got a constitutional carry law that allowed open and concealed carry here in the Granite State after Governor Sununu became governor, something people had worked on for a while with Republican majorities. He got it, got a lot of credit for that. He also uh, vetoed some, uh, some red flag laws that there was a lot of pressure on him from... The part of his coalition, the kind of the suburban, you know, we don't like cultural issues folks too. He stood with the Second Amendment folks, said, nope, that's a bridge too far. I get the idea. I like it. But you've got to balance constitutional rights with concerns about mental health. And this is not the right balance, he argued. Whether that's true or not doesn't matter. Point is, he vetoed it. And then 
really aggressive. He passed a law intended to keep local law enforcement from being forced to help enforce laws regarding gun you know, control, federal laws that they don't agree with or federal laws that they think went too far. I would feel sympathy for those of you who are uh, gun control advocates, perhaps those of you on the left who are coming, oh, that's an outrage. What do you mean you're saying you won't enforce the law? I, I would feel sorry for you, except for, you know, right now, if you're so many of you are out advocating. Don't, what, some judge made a ruling about abortion pills? Forget that. Don't enforce that law. <laughs> what, are you, what are you, crazy? So what if Joe Biden had a bunch of classified documents and records that he wasn't supposed to have in the trunk of his car? Donald Trump has records. Prosecute Trump, not Biden. That's totally different. So, you know, that's where we are. Bottom line, Chris Sununu signed an aggressive pro-Second Amendment bill. He has the strongest record on protecting gun rights. Whether you agree or disagree with that, he's got the strongest record. Uh, stronger than Governor DeSantis in Florida, who's playing catch-up right now. Uh, stronger than Donald Trump, who, you know, was never really... You know, was super pro Second Amendment guy. I remember, he banned uh, uh, bump stocks, and he said after the Park Lane, uh, Parkland uh, high school shooting, you know, something on the lines of, "I want to confiscate the guns first and get due process afterwards." So, can Sununu use that? Can he use his Second Amendment record as a door to open to those? Republican primary voters on the MAGA end of the party who think of he, that he's a squish, et cetera. It's, it's a thing. I mean, it gives him something to work with. And there are other, you know, once again, if you're assuming that economics just not going to work, uh, it gives him something to work with. We'll see what happens. I, I think it'll be interesting to see the parental bill of rights and what comes out of the state Senate and where uh, Sununu is on that. I know there are people who are upset. They want the more aggressive state Senate uh, House bill on parent bill, bill of rights. They're saying, oh, this shows Sununu's nowhere. And it is notable that he's been virtually radio silent about the topic. But if the Senate comes out with a parental bill of rights that has some heft and that ends up getting passed, whether it's part of the budget or standalone, the fact is Governor Chris Sununu will be able to say, look, I signed the parents bill of rights. I signed the CRT, anti-CRT bill to stop uh, government employees from saying white people are inherently racist, white people are inherently bad, people of color are inherently less bad. You know, all these uh, you know, discriminatory comments that are uh, were part of the curricula here in, in New Hampshire in some schools. They, he he signed the law. He it stopped it. It was part of the budget. Same thing with education freedom accounts. So will that school choice, parents' rights, anti-CRT, gun control, will that be enough to get the Trump-friendly base to look at Chris Sununu in a new way? Or will it be as a Democrat actually told me uh, after Governor Sununu's speech at the New Hampshire Institute of Politics the other day, great guy, but the Republicans just aren't going to nominate a pro-choice Republican who bleeped all over Donald Trump. Hey, and maybe he's right. But then again, we also could see Republicans nominate a guy who's been indicted on crimes with multiple cases going on, who already lost to Joe Biden once before. And the Democrats could be nominating an 82-year-old guy who's already ready, clearly not physically and mentally up to the job right now. And there's another 18 months before people have to vote to give him another four years after that. So, you know, anything could happen. I'm not making predictions. Okay, I take it back. I'll make one more prediction before we get to our conversation with uh, Governor Chris Sununu. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is going to be a problem. 
I, I know what you're saying, Michael. Come on, no one takes him seriously. He's got the vax problem. He's kind of a dilettante. What? Well, Biden's the incumbent president. Well, I, I could remind you of Pat Buchanan, a newspaper columnist, <laughs> who it could be argued derailed George H. W. Bush's. Uh, attempt at a second term. I could remind you of that, about how these people who can't cause a problem can cause a problem. But I actually have something else to point out. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is almost the perfect candidate, designed in a Republican lab candidate to beat Joe Biden in New Hampshire. Now, every time I talk to smart political insiders, they always get hung up on the beat Joe Biden part. They think that I'm saying that uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. is going to be the nominee of the Democratic Party. I think that is highly unlikely. Where are we? Well, Joe Biden decided that New Hampshire can't be the first in the nation primary because the people in New Hampshire are too white and can't be trusted with votes, you know, uh, for uh, candidates of color, diverse candidates, etc. Now, the real reason he did it is because he's mad because every time he comes here, he gets humiliated by coming in fifth or whatever. But it doesn't matter. He took it away from New Hampshire. He said, we have to take it away because they aren't worthy. South Carolina, Nevada, they have diversity. They're worthy, not New Hampshire. So he's not on the ballot. He's not going to campaign. Remember the huge deal that uh, New Hampshire Democratic Party Chairman Ray Buckley made about what it'll do to the party and their money, etc. If Biden doesn't even campaign here until after essentially the nomination is set. So no Joe Biden. Well, that leaves you a ballot, and on the ballot is Marion Williamson and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. If it were just Marion Williamson, probably not that big of a problem. She's How many votes is she likely to get? There will be an effort, even though Joe Biden won't be on the ballot under these rules, to get a write-in vote, whatever, you know, to, have, you know, to have Joe Biden's president. They can, they can probably save him from a Marion Williamson loss, probably. But Robert F. Kennedy Jr., is a real candidate. He's a real candidate in the sense that they've heard, people have heard of him. He's got name ID. And not only that, he's got the Kennedy name. That's what State Senator Lou D'Alessandro pointed out when he was at the speech where Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was asked by me, are you thinking about running? Who was on the front row in that speech? Lou D'Alessandro, Ray Buckley, and the Democratic leader of the State Senate, Donna Susi. You know why? Because it's Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He's not some just kind of nobody, someone, you know, who just threw their name on the ballot. You can say, oh, Robert F. Kennedy, but he's got a problem. What about his, you know, that vaccine issue? You're absolutely right. He has the vaccine issue and that has, has elements to it, but it's an issue. It's an issue that no matter what you think of it, you may think that it's insane, crazy conspiracy stuff. There are millions of Americans who agree with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. When I was at the NHIOP event, I talked to folks in the crowd. Easily, 20, 25% of them were either Republicans, non-Democrats, or non-voters. They were just there because they support Kennedy. They are so glad that he's speaking out about the mRNA virus, uh, vaccine and about COVID, etc. They love him on COVID. We know what happens when people really love you on an issue. They want to come vote for you. The other issue he has is the environment. Joe Biden just announced he's going to approve the Willow Project one of the largest oil production projects in the U.S. ever. And he just approved it in Alaska. There are going to be some other energy things like that as OPEC restricts production and prices go up and Biden wants to get reelected. There'll be a lot of political pressure 
not to go into the winter before the election with uh, New Englanders paying five, six, seven bucks for uh, home heating oil. What does Robert F. Kennedy Jr. say to that? Ah, environment, save the earth, climate change. And for a, a not insignificant group of Democrats, that's a big deal. So when January or February, whenever the date ends up being in 2024 rolls around, you're going to have Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He's going to have money. He's going to have some celebrity. His wife's a TV star. And he's going to have issues that tend to drive voters. Is it enough to win a head-to-head matchup with Joe Biden? Probably not. But Joe Biden's not going to be on the ballot. No Joe Biden on the ballot. Thousands. I don't see any reason why 10,000 people wouldn't come out and vote for Robert Kennedy Jr., particularly once they figure out, hey, we're going to win. We're going to send our message. We're going to, we're going to pat Buchanan this thing. So what happens then? Joe Biden loses the New Hampshire primary. Well, it could happen. And the White House could argue, ah, we weren't even playing. You know, they broke the rules. They didn't go on time. You know, we weren't even on the ballot. You know, congratulations to Mr. Kennedy, but it means nothing. And that that's, makes sense. But he's 82 years old. When you're 82 and people are already concerned and you have another year of age on you from where you are right now and you lose it's very possible they could sting. It could hit. Just ask LBJ about New Hampshire and underperformances. Ask George H.W. Bush. So, okay, so what then? Maybe the White House figures out, holy crap, <laughs> we're going to lose. we got to get on the ballot and get people to turn out and give them a button to push so that we don't lose New Hampshire. Well, to do that, you gotta get on the you've gotta get on the ballot. And you just said you can't be on the ballot because New Hampshire is bad and South Carolina is good and diversity, right? So is Joe Biden really gonna walk that all the way back? Now, without a doubt, the media will cover for him and they'll it's no big deal and it doesn't matter. And they'll explain why every president has gone back on their word and got back on and there's no big deal. And, and Afghanistan was part there was no chaos. We'll get all that. But you know what you look like when you have to walk back something like that, particularly something that you engineered to screw New Hampshire. And then you come back hat in hand to New Hampshire because of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. You look weak. And you know who really can't afford to look weak in the couple months before a primary? The 82-year-old guy. So I don't know what the final outcome is going to be. I'm just saying Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is going to be a problem for the Biden White House, assuming that he decides to run. Okay, you've heard me mouth off enough. Uh, let's talk to uh, Governor Sununu. But first, my friend, Dr. Bruce Houghton at PerfectSmiles.com makes this podcast possible. I really appreciate it. He makes my perfect smile possible. He did a fantastic job for me. One of the things I like about Dr. Bruce is he is constantly updating his training and his tech. The latest techniques. If you're like me and you hate going to the dentist, you'll love Dr. Bruce Houghton and his wonderful wife, Stephanie. Something interesting, they didn't have a single known case of COVID transmission in their office during the COVID era when they, you know, when they reopened and they had to, they, they put in so many layers of protection. they never had a single case where people went up. Oh, I got it while I was here. And you think about COVID, how it transmits and you're actually working in people's mouths. You think so. Well, that's how careful. That's how detail-oriented Dr. Bruce is at Perfect Smiles of Nashua. That's how good he is. Fantastic dentist. He's my dentist. You should make him yours too. Dr. Bruce Houghton at PerfectSmiles.com.
So welcome to the New Hampshire Journal podcast, Governor Chris Sununu on the road as usual. Governor, big news Tuesday, you signed an executive order saying that uh, the Biden administration may be adding environmental, social and governance, ESG investing uh, to private uh, retirement funds, but not New Hampshire. Well, yeah, I mean, look, the most important responsibility we, we have is getting the best return for our pensionees, for our retirees. And this ESG stuff uh, does not get the returns. Um, too many uh, organizations are putting that as some sort of priority. It hurts returns. It increases risks. It doesn't uh, it doesn't fulfill on the mission. So we're uh, very simply, we've talked to the Treasury. We, we've talk, talked to the folks over at the uh, retirement system and said uh, the investments should not be made. Uh, based on ESG criteria, uh, it's just—it's really just that simple. Go get the investments. Go get the investments that make the most money. That's all that really matters. So I'm what find, I find interesting about this from a political standpoint is you just had Democrats really fighting hard to stop the uh, phase out of the dividends and interest tax. The retirees, you know, a lot of them use that money to supplement their Social Security. Having no tax in it would be a good thing. Now you've got this concern about are you going to invest people's retirement funds based on political concerns about the climate whatever and the biden administration democrats are in the entire delegation voted to save the rule which by the way got shot down by the house bipartisan votes in the house and senate biden had to veto it uh it seems to me that being on the side of retirees is a smart place to be in a state like new hampshire well look it's not about just being on their side it's fulfilling on the responsibility so you brought it up perfectly so not only do they want to create um, a force investors to invest your money, your retirement savings into things that get a lower return. So you have less retirement. But then when you go to spend your retirement dollars, they're going to make sure that they can tax you on it and give you a double whammy. Here in New Hampshire, we want uh, to get the best return. You keep your money. I don't need your tax dollars. The state is doing more uh, than than. Uh, uh, than that we ever have been before in terms of the opportunity and, and the returns on both our investments and, and the programs we have here. So you keep your money. That's that's kind of our message in New Hampshire. Right. Uh, and, and again, it's then you add the Social Security piece into it, right? Um, you're going to lose, for those on Social Security, they're, they're going to get a 25% cut in benefits uh, in about 10 years, less than 10 years now. And Joe Biden's response, I'm going to do nothing. I'm going to do nothing to fix your problem. Um, and and that's a very real problem. There's, there's no doubt about it. So I think, you know, again, it's not just being on the side of retirees. It's doing right by retirees right. and creating up systems that make sure that they have the opportunity, not the government. Is talking about uh, the, 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 the indisputable fact that if nothing changes, Medicare will run out of money relatively soon. Social Security, you know, not long after that. Is that smart politics? You know, uh, your, your fellow Republican, President Trump, has declared it, thrown up a blanket. Republicans don't talk about it. We are not going to touch Social Security. And some people say, look, that's the winning political position to take. Well, again, when, when you have a, the former President Trump and Joe Biden are saying the exact same thing. We're not even going to talk about it. We're not going right. to talk about the fact that the, cut, the, the cuts in benefits are happening. We need to fix that. Like that has to be fixed. Every Republican agrees on that. So Republicans should be embracing the message of fixing Social Security, not cutting the benefits, not allowing these cuts that both Trump and, and Biden have, have are, are willing to allow happen. Mm -hmm. uh, we can be the ones that create a better system, a more financially stable system and make sure retirees have the benefits they deserve. And it can be done. It, it's not a political third rail. I don't, know, I, 
It can be done. I, I, I don't see a lot of voters rushing to hear the truth on tough issues. <laughs> well, look, like like typical, you know, federal government, I, you know, uh, their plan is to wait till the crisis exactly. is, has already happened before they come up with any solutions. But by that time, it's very often too late. So it's not about cutting benefits and all that kind of stuff. It, it's all about the messaging and the redesign of the system and the opportunity that we're going to create for seniors well, without them losing their benefits. You left out a key part, also the blame somebody else part, which they were already working on yeah. that, just like with Afghanistan. I want to ask you about something else. You'll be speaking this Friday at the National Rifle Association's gathering in Indianapolis. It looks like everybody's going to be there. Uh, former President Trump, former Vice President Pence, uh, Ron DeSantis, who's coming to New Hampshire Friday. Governor DeSantis of Florida is making time. Uh What's your message going to be to the folks at the NRA on Friday? Uh, well, look, New Hampshire has been a great model uh, of just common sense firearms laws and rules and making sure that uh, individual freedoms are, are maintained, uh, making sure that all the other parts of the system, whether you're talking about mental health and all these other things, we address those issues and we do it the right way. Um, and we don't back down and we don't just you know give in on political whims. Um, we, we do right by the individual first and we stand true to that. And I think New Hampshire's been, frankly, a great model that the rest of the country can look to. I spoke to some Republicans in New Hampshire who aren't fans of yours, and they all conceded you have a great record on the Second Amendment. In fact, uh, NH Journal wrote this week that you probably have the strongest record of, uh, as far as action stances of, of uh, any of the people who are in this possible field for 2024. Why is that? Well, again, it, it, look, the country is dealing with with firearms issues uh, when they see a a mass shooting. And, and unfortunately, we know a mass shootings can happen anywhere, anytime. And, and it's horrific. But uh, from that, you see that the other side of the aisle try to make a political statement on those types right. of tragedies consistently. And it, it's the absolute worst thing to do. Um, we just stay true to our system and, and we don't overdo it. We don't underdo it. We believe in the individual. And, th and that's what works best. And we go after and making sure that if you're dealing with mass shootings, you're talking about mental health. If you're dealing with uh, issues in, in schools, you're talking about what's happening in the classroom and the support services there. It's not just about, oh, well, if there's, if there's a horrific shooting, then it, the answer must be more gun laws. That's, mm -hmm. that's not, hasn't, it hasn't really helped uh, um, uh, Chicago. It hasn't helped California. It right. hasn't helped a lot of places with more gun control regulation. It doesn't result in, in necessarily safer communities. Safer communities are where communities right. can drive uh, the solutions and individuals come first. But I guess what I'm asking is uh, you have a reputation, fairly or unfairly, of talking a lot more about economic and fiscal responsibility issues than, you know, cultural issues, to use the label everyone uses. And yet on Second Amendment, you are right there on the front line. I mean, uh, Governor DeSantis is trailing behind you. Uh, Governor uh, President Trump has said he wants to take the guns first in cases like mass shootings and do due process later, something that certainly doesn't reflect anything you've done. Is there something about the Second Amendment that you just uh, hits you in a different way than, say, issues like, you know, uh, tough parental rights debates or abortion? No, I, I would just say that I don't let politics come into play. When, when we're okay. making the decisions and, and as it's a very politicized issue, but but in many ways shouldn't be. And, and um, uh, look, there's tragedy all over the place with these shootings and it's it's horrific. But uh, the answer isn't just, well, let's just pass some law, more laws, pass, pat ourselves on the back and move on to the other. That's not the way you do it. Um, we really tackle this stuff at, at you know, the core drivers opposed to just playing a political game. 
Okay, very quickly, I got to ask you about Stephanie Shaheen, the Portsmouth Police Commission chair and the daughter of Senator Jean Shaheen, writing in the union, uh, I think one of the newspapers, we need to ban the sale of all semi-automatic weapons, which is almost every gun sold in the U.S., and confiscate uh, so-called assault weapons. Did you kind of cough up your oatmeal that morning when you read that in the paper? I, I heard about it. I didn't read it. I was actually pretty shocked, even most Democrats. Uh, in New Hampshire, don't take positions right. like that. Even Bernie Sanders wouldn't take extremist positions like that. That isn't what solves the problem. Um, the idea that we, if, if government just gets more involved and pass more laws, we'll solve everything. Government is not here and, and doesn't have the ability to solve those problems. We can create opportunities to make sure communities are safer, supporting law enforcement, you know, doing right by kids, doing right by mental health, but just banning and, and going and saying we're going to literally come and confiscate your firearms. Um, that, that isn't what, what creates safer communities. And, and at the end of the day, that's what we have to be about. Quick last question, because you're loving to doing punditry lately. I see you on cable all the time. When you heard the news that Democrats are going to have their convention in Chicago and announcing it after this election by the pro-defund the police uh, mayoral candidate, your response? Uh, the Democrats seem to do, be doing everything they can to hand the 2024 election to Republicans. And, and I, for one, will gladly take it. But the, the nightmare that is likely to be the Democrat convention in Chicago, um, it'll, uh, it'll just be another another act in the uh, continuing circus of the Democrat party. Apparently Beirut was all booked up that week. Governor Chris Sununu, <laughs> thanks for joining us. We appreciate your time. You, you bet. Thank you, buddy. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the New Hampshire Journal podcast. Please find us on Twitter, New Hamp Journal, on Facebook, NH Journal, and of course at nhjournal.com where you can sign up for our daily newsletter. I'm Michael Graham with Inside Sources. Thanks again for listening. 